Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 East Village. Going with that, it's an amazing thing. Um, so good. So tonight, I get the great privilege of uh, introducing a good friend of mine and a member of the church who's been coming here since nearly the, the very beginning. Um, and CJ and Owen are both great members of this church, pillars of C3 East Village. And they help out on the hosting team. They, they host dinner parties. And uh, I could talk about Owen's um, qualifications in, in, you know, in, in the way he's studied and, and biblical studies. But more than that, uh, this man's heart for the church and for the Word of God and, and for seeking what is God saying is more of a qualification than anything. And so I love this man a lot, and he's always brought a great word in season, and tonight will be no different. So let's just welcome Owen as he comes and brings the message tonight. How about that worship set, eh? That was awesome. You know why? It's the Holy Spirit's here. I'm going to, um, apart from other parts of my message tonight, I'm going to tell you a story. So that's why I'm sitting here tonight, because I think it's appropriate to kind of sit and tell a story. But why don't we pray first? Father God, thank you for this night. We thank you for what you're doing in this room right now through your Holy Spirit and through the presence of Jesus. We thank you that you are being glorified tonight through song and through word, through action. And I ask that you continue to, to move in our midst and do what you would have. Uh, do what you would uh, do tonight. Amen. One of my first memories of reading was a mystery adventure series called The Thorn Twins. And I, refer, I remember the, my favorite book where they are on a plane and they get shot down over East Africa and they crash in the Great Rift Valley. And, you know, then they have a survival story before they get rescued. And I don't know when I read that, but it was like maybe eight or nine. And other books that I remember from when I was a kid are Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, The Call of the Wild, The Adventures of Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> and then when I was in grade seven, I was part of the Scholastic Book Club, like maybe some of you were, and I received my copies of The Chronicles of Narnia. And, you know, I've enjoyed them many times. Uh, throughout my life, I've been into thriller novels, uh, military novels, military history, straight history. Uh, but for the last 20 years, I've been interested in books that tell real story, whether it's a significant event or whether it's someone that's overcome some obstacle in their life. Um, and one of those books I read uh, about a year or so ago, it's called The Boys in the Boat. And it's about a young man who uh, was abandoned by his family during the Great Depression but he went on to 
be a university rower at the University of Washington in Seattle. And he overcame a lot of things emotionally, physically, to do so. And then in 1936, at the Berlin Olympics, he, along with his teammates, won the gold medal in men's aids rowing. And the story is inspiring about this young man who was overcome by so many things, but didn't let that keep him down. And by reaching out to the right people and being open to the right people, he was able to overcome those issues in his past and able to live out a new destiny. Now I say this because uh, a couple weeks ago, CJ had this post come up on Facebook uh, from BBC in Scotland. And it was about how reading story can change our beliefs. And the reporter was sharing some of the results of this academic study. And these are her words. Stories have the potential to be incredibly powerful. They're able to change how we relate to one another, to change prejudice. So the potential of stories to persuade is staggering. I read this really, really good research paper about these two books, Harry Potter and Twilight, which basically suggested that if you get people to read a couple chapters of Harry Potter, they'll rate themselves higher than other people in their ability to potentially move something just using the power of their mind. <laughs> now, the people who read about the vampires, they'll actually believe that their teeth are slightly longer than the average person in the population. <laughs> just as a result of reading, reading a few chapters of the book. Psychologists call this assimilation, where the reader takes on the quality of the fictional group in terms of psychology, there are a few things that stories actually do to us. We get the sense that we are fully immersed in the world of the characters and what they are experiencing is also happening to us. Stories have been found to be a lot more effective than other means at producing political change. Stories can increase empathy, reduce prejudice, loneliness, and be very persuasive. And then she finishes up by saying, you should definitely turn this off and go get a book. <laughs> so what does all this have to do with Bible matters? That's our theme for this month. Well, after listening to this post, and in light of me preparing this message, it made me wonder if by reading just a few chapters of a fantasy or a thriller or a mystery or a sci-fi or a romance novel, and that can change the way we believe about ourselves, about our world. How much more would we be changed? How much more would our understanding of God and ourselves be changed if we read just a few chapters of the Bible? What if we read the history, the prophecy, the poetry, the gospels, the letters? How would our beliefs be changed? And how much more if this was a regular habit? It's a powerful and challenging thing, isn't it? I'm not a model example of doing this. Far from it. But I do feel the, the challenge. I do feel the conviction. And I've been trying to address that this year by using Pastor Lauren's journaling book that he walked us through in January. 
Now, when I was preparing for this message, I opened it up and went, oh, Owen, you haven't read your Bible in a month. It's time to step your game up. Uh, One of the ways that God speaks to me, apart from his word, is through his creation. Uh, CJ and I have worked really hard over the last three years to to build a beautiful backyard garden. Uh, Three years ago, it was a dirt pile that was overgrown. And now we've got a lush garden with vegetables and flowers, including sunflowers. So we can have the photo slide up, Era, and have the lights down, guys. I want to show you a picture of one of those sunflowers. When the lights do come down, the whole screen is the sunflower. And right here is a bee. And we were out in the, uh, the garden the other day working. All right, here we go. Can you see it now? Now, you won't be able to see the smallest details. But CJ said, come on over, take a look at this one. And there was this bee, and it was covered in pollen dust. Its legs, its head, its butt, its abdomen. It was covered. And I just thought, how would our lives be changed if we were just soaking ourselves in the word? CJ used the phrase, pollen bath. What if we had a Bible bath? (laughs) All right, we can, uh, you can put the lights back up. We talk about the Bible as being the word of God because Jesus is called the personification of the word. And over the past three weeks, we've heard a verse from 2 Timothy saying that all scripture is God-breathed. And that's because there's connections between breath and wind in the persona and work of the Holy Spirit. If the Bible matters, it's because Jesus is speaking the word to us. And we can live by that. If the Bible matters, it's because the wind of the Holy Spirit breathes life into these words as we flip the pages. And if stories matter because they have the ability to change the way we think, then I want to tell you a story tonight about the word and the wind. Now, depending on your journey of faith, you'll have heard it before, but not necessarily this way because it can be told in so many different ways. But as with many great stories, the connections that are there and the deeper meanings that are there become obvious in the retelling. So that's my prayer tonight, that you will hear something obvious that maybe you haven't heard before. So this is the story of the word and the wind. In the beginning, the wind of the Lord hovered over the waters of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the Lord, and the Word was the Lord. 
The word was in the beginning with the Lord, and all things were made through him. And God spoke these words, let there be, let there be, let there be. Ten times he used those words, let there be. And then four times he said, or God called, and he called and he called to his creation. And then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the dust and breathed on him the breath of life. And the man became alive. And when the Lord God made a helper, a woman from the man, and brought her to him, then Adam said these words. This is my bones. This is my flesh. She is woman. And then the man called his wife Eve, the mother of life. Many years later, when those called by God had become a people, a nation, a kingdom, there would arise a need for a new king. And a young man was chosen, and upon his anointing by the prophet Samuel, the wind rushed upon David from that day forward. King David was both a warrior and a poet, and he would write the following, By the word of the Lord the heavens are made, and by the wind of his mouth all their host. And later create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your wind from me. Other poets would write, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word I have hidden in my heart. The wind of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The breath, the wind of the Almighty gives understanding. In the days of the prophet, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth, saying, Behold, I have put my word in your mouth. To Ezekiel, the Lord would say, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. As he spoke, the wind entered Ezekiel and set him on his feet. Son of man, feed your belly with the word that I give you and fill your stomach with it. And Ezekiel ate and said, it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. The word and the wind would come upon kings and prophets in these days, but one day there was a promise, and it shall come to pass that the wind will blow upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, and the old and the young will dream and have visions. Both men and women will feel the rushing of the wind. And then the days of the prophets were over, and the word became silent, and the wind became still. Hundreds of years, what of the promise? Until one day the wind came upon a young woman, and the word was conceived in her, for nothing is impossible with God. In those days the wind also rushed upon three people, filling them with his presence. Elizabeth and Zechariah, old in years but young in spirit, and their newly conceived and to be named son, John. And when the young woman Mary, pregnant with the word, greeted Elizabeth, filled with the wind, there was great joy. And in the fullness of time, the word became flesh. And as the man came to John, still filled with the wind, he said to John, it is fitting for us to fulfill righteousness, and the word was baptized by John. And the wind appeared as a dove and rested upon the word. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the wind led the word into the desert to be tempted by the devil. 
the word made flesh was hungry after fasting and was tempted to quell his hunger by turning stones into bread. His answer was, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. For the word of God is like the Son of Man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash about his chest. His head is like white wool, like snow. His eye is like a flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. In his right hand is the wind, and from his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword, and his face shines like the sun at full strength. This is my beloved word. Listen to him. At the concluding of his temptation, the word returned to Galilee in the region of his childhood in the power of the wind. Coming to Nazareth, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood to read. Reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, the word would speak, the wind of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed, the good news of the Lord's favor. One day during the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles to celebrate the harvest, the word would again stand to speak. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Now he said this about the wind, whom those who believed in the word were to receive, but as yet the wind had not yet been given, because the word had yet to be glorified. Still in Jerusalem in the spring to celebrate the Passover, the word gathered with his disciples to teach them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the wind of truth. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The word was crucified in the days following in an attempt to silence the voice of God. But in the morning of the third day, the word was resurrected from the dead. In the evening of that day, the word came to his disciples and stood among them saying, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. Having said this, the word breathed on them and said, receive the wind. After the word returned to his father in heaven, the disciples remained in Jerusalem. And on the day of the feast of Pentecost, the day of harvest of first fruits, they gathered together and suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the wind and began to speak in other tongues as the wind gave them breath. So began the church of the word, the church that is now his body, a body that is now in a new way, the word made flesh in this world. So also began the teaching of the apostles through the ministry of the wind. As the body grew, of course, there were growing pains, such as not knowing how to pray as we ought to pray. So the wind intercedes for us with the Father with groanings that are too deep for words. For the wind searches everything, even the depths of God, because the wind is the giver of life. 
So as the wind is the giver of life, then let us live by the wind, keeping in step with or soaring with the wind. We are regenerated and renewed by the wind, poured out upon us by the word, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And by this we know that the word abides in us because the wind has been given to us. While still on this earth, the wind spoke of eternal life. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in the word. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. For the word himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in the word will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the word in the air. And so we will always be with the word. And there will be a voice of a great multitude, like a roar of many waters, and the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. For the marriage of the word has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. It was granted for her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the word. And there will be a voice from heaven saying, Blessed are the dead who die in the word from now on. Blessed indeed, says the wind, that they may rest from their labors. So as we await this day, let the wind and the church say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take of the word of life without cost. What I've just read to you is the story of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The word and the wind. There are a few connecting phrases and sentences in there that are mine, but there are 42 different passages of Scripture in there. And it's word for word right out of the Bible. The Bible tells its own story, doesn't it? If you'd like a copy of that, one of the host team will have it at the back. And it's got all the reference in there, so you can look them up yourselves. So why have I told you this story the way I have? Because I think from time to time we miss the deeper meanings and the connections in the Bible. You know, the Bible isn't just a collection of ancient writings. It's not just words on the page. My Bible here, while it's a little bit fancy, it has... 1,500 pages. And, you know, give or take, you know, depending on the translation and how many words are used, there are 750,000 words inside the covers. But that's not all it is. It's a living, breathing document. It's the voice of God speaking to us as if Jesus were right here with us. It's the power of God through the Holy Spirit to shine light upon our lives, upon our hearts, our minds. 
In the, in the grand scope, there are connections, there are shared imageries that we can grasp onto. When we read short sections of the Bible, a verse or two or a paragraph, we, we can miss out on these things. But if we start reading one or two or three chapters, if we read whole sections of books or whole books themselves, then these connections start to be seen. The Bible matters because at its heart, it is our Heavenly Father's story of restoring relationship with him through the work of his Son and the Holy Spirit. But it's not only his story, and it's not only their story, it's our story. Did you notice at the beginning of my story that I said that Adam was speaking in the same manner of God? God created us, Adam and Eve and all of us, to partner with him. He asked us to create, not with this word speaking out, but with our hands with the imagination that he's given to us. Our identity is in the image of God. And we're, we're called to proclaim identity over the things that we create. We do that in this church. We've called it C3 East Village. But more than that, we've spoken over it and called it a community. We've called each other friends, we've called each other family. The Bible matters because we find our story in it. As individuals and as a community, it is the history of God's people in words and through the living breath of the Holy Spirit, we take these words and we learn how to live them out. The people in the Bible are not just characters on a page, they're not just fictional characters in the novel. They lived and breathed. They lived life as we do. It got messy at times. They sinned. They worshipped. They were faithful. They were unfaithful. And we can identify with them. Think of someone in the Bible. Call, call them out. Abraham. Abraham was a man called by God out of a out of a town somewhere in present-day Iraq. And God said, go. Go to a new land. Over the, over the time of his, his time there, he would, he would run down to Egypt when things got tough and that wasn't good, or he would run down to the next little state or city and area and that wasn't good because God didn't tell him to go down there. He messed up. He made mistakes. But then God told him to go down once. And he was faithful and he went down and God made a covenant with him to say, you are my people. You know, we can live out the story of Abraham. God can call us and say, hey, I want you to go somewhere. Will you follow me? When Abraham died, he owned a few acres of land in the promised land or what would become the promised land. God had said to him, you are going to be my people, and this is going to be my, your land. It was just a few acres when he died. We don't have to see the end result. We can go and start something. And the inheritance will come. We can live out 
the life of Abraham in our own lives. I think of David, you know, another one of the major players. He was a king. He was a shepherd, a leader, a warrior, a poet, a musician, a sinner, man after God's heart. Now, we may never be a king or a queen here, because I don't think anyone here is, you know, of the House of Windsor or the Saudi royal family. But, um, you know, we can be a shepherd to God's people. We can be a leader in our community and in our world. We might not have to go to war, but we can be a spiritual warrior. We've had some great musicians up here tonight. There's probably some of you in here who like to write poetry. And yes, we are all sinners, but if we have a humble heart, then we can be men and women who long after the heart of God. When we identify with the people of the Bible, their lives intersect with ours. We see ourselves in them and them in us, and the Bible becomes our story, and that's why it matters. The major players in the Bible get much of the glory, but I like some of the bit players, the extras, as it were, because they can still teach us a lot. Who here has heard of the daughters of Zelophehad? Anyone? They were five sisters. They had no brother, and their father had died when the people of Israel were wandering through the desert. You know, Stephen talked about it last week, about women in this time, that if they had no one to look after them, then they were in really bad shape. And they thought, well, well what about us? And they came to Moses and said, hey, what about our inheritance? And Moses said, okay, well, I'll go to God and I'll, and I'll talk to God about it. Moses took their case to God and God honored them and gave them their father's inheritance in the promised land. These women teach us that we can be bold with God. We can go against culture. You know, it was male domination. Hereditary transition was through the men. It was unheard of for women to, to inherit. But we can go against culture if our request is right and true. And when we do, their story becomes ours. And the word of become, God becomes our story. How about Jabez? Who's heard of Jabez? You know, he got a little bit of press a few years ago. <laughs> you know, his story can be found in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. In the middle of a list of names... These are the sons of, these are the sons of, these are the sons of. Here's Jabez with two verses, asking for a blessing, asking for more land, asking for God's protection. And I don't think he was greedy. I think he was saying, hey, God, I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to take some responsibility. I want to bless other people. His story becomes our own when we go, hey, I'm ready to take a next step take on some responsibility, blessed to be a blessing. We take a look at the New Testament. There's uh, a married couple called Aquila and Priscilla. They're mentioned in Paul's letters more than once. They were, they were leaders in their church, and they served faithfully under Paul's authority. Again, we don't have to look too far to see that in action in C3. 
either at West or here in EV or in C3 Global. There are people who support faithfully the leaders of our church. We can all do that. Pastor Lauren, you can speak to that. You've got people in your life that support you and allow you to do what you do. And you and others like you support Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris and allow them to do what they do. It goes from the big to the small, even here. Finally, how about a trio of friends? Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. Have you ever heard of them? No? Uh, they're mentioned at the end of Paul's letter, uh, his first letter to the Corinthians. He gives them praise for coming to him and refreshing his spirit by their very presence. Who can we be a refreshment to? Who can we encourage tonight or tomorrow or next week? Who can we give a helping hand to? When we do, we make their story our own and the Bible matters in our lives. Shelby, why don't you come on up with the team? You know, the Bible matters. The story of God matters. Our place in that story matters. But only if we're willing to hear the voice of Jesus, only if we're willing to experience the Holy Spirit. Our Heavenly Father called out in a voice, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. And I don't think that voice has ever stopped calling out, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. Are you ready to have a conversation with Jesus tonight? He's here. He's right here. And he wants to speak into your life tonight. He wants to breathe the Holy Spirit upon your life tonight. He wants to begin a conversation and a journey with you tonight. Maybe for the very first time, or maybe, you know, it's time for a deep and meaningful because it's been a while. The Holy Spirit wants to move in your life tonight. He wants to rush upon you like he did with David and the disciples. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would feel like in just a few moments if the Holy Spirit rushed and blew his wind upon your life? I was sitting outside just before the service, five minutes before the service with Diane and there was a burst of wind and there were like dozens of seagulls that just lifted on that wind. We both tried to get video of it. Holy Spirit wants to blow through this place tonight and lift you. Lift you on his wind. Take you to new places. Now you might be saying, Owen, I'm willing but I'm not ready. Or I'm ready but I'm not able. While Jesus and the Holy Spirit are willing, ready, and able tonight. So why don't you let them fill the gaps in your life? 
You know, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, whenever Frodo handled his little ring, there was that voice of Sauron whispering, whispering, tempting him to put it on. Well, this isn't the ring. This is the word of God. And Jesus isn't Sauron. He is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords and he wants to speak into your life tonight. He wants to make this book alive through the Holy Spirit in your life. So are you ready? Are you ready to take that step? You won't regret it. At creation, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. At the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit flew down as a dove and landed on Jesus. Now, the dove is a, is a bird of peace. That's how we, we image a dove. But it's also one of the most powerful flying birds out there. Have you ever heard a dove or its cousin, the pigeon, flying close to you? Have you ever heard a flock of pigeons lift off the ground? It's a rushing of wind. Can you imagine being at the riverside there at the Jordan and hearing that dove come down out of heaven and landing on Jesus? I'm sure there was a rushing of wind. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. He says, let me fly down and land on you too. So we're going to move into a time of worship and ministry. And I want to finish with a, a few words. I had an old Sunday school teacher years ago. He wasn't old then. He is now. He's in his 80s. But uh, you know, he became a prayer mentor with me. and We would pray in the group or, or pray, uh, just the two of us. Was a, it was a rare time where he said he wouldn't say, you know, I've got warm tears. The Holy Spirit is near. I've had some tears tonight. The Holy Spirit is near. I've had some goose pimples tonight. The Holy Spirit is near. I say, maybe so have you. Is your heart pounding in your chest right now? The Holy Spirit is near. Maybe you feel a heaviness in this room, but it's not oppressive. It's soft like a, a warm comforter. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. So as Shelby leads the team, we're going to sing that last song again because, wow, that was powerful. If you feel that, you know, you're good right now, I want you to sing that song prophetically over the other people in this room whether they're sat beside you or whether they come forward sing it over them because it's about breaking things in our lives it's about overcoming things it's about dispelling fear sing it over them come and encounter Jesus tonight come and encounter the Holy Spirit tonight will be here to pray with you.
Come with desire in your heart. Come with expectancy in your heart. Come and meet your destiny tonight. Come and meet Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week. 